Welcome. You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. What does Jesus mean by this statement? Well, in this podcast, we will carefully answer that question in order to hopefully encourage you in the truth of God's gospel and protect you from the fatal lies of the devil, world, and false religion. Thank you for joining us. By the grace of God, I will do my best to try to explain clearly what Jesus means in this most crucial, significant statement, a reality which faces every single person, whether we realize this or not. Which gate have you or will you enter? The narrow gate to life or the wide gate to destruction? As was the case in Jesus' audience on this day when he preached these verses, most people in our world are on the wide way and gate to destruction, even if they assume and think confidently that they are traveling on the right way. As Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, There is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. We certainly hope that this is not the case for you. We want you to know the truth of God, a truth that is rejected, hated, despised, denied by the majority of the planet. Through the lies of Satan, the false religions and philosophies and theories that penetrate around our world. This is a very serious matter and something to consider. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 writes, Examine yourselves to see if you are truly in the faith. That is a wise comment. These two verses that Jesus spoke, as you may know, come at the conclusion of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Matthew was previously a tax collector who very likely was stealing from his own people, the Jews, as he collected taxes for the Romans in order to make himself rich, wealthy, which he was. He was a crook. But by the grace of Christ, Jesus called him out of that vocation and turned him into a disciple, apostle, and Bible writer. And he records a Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks about many subjects. What does it look like to be blessed with God, spiritual morality, how to treat others, the grace and the provision of God? And then upon the end of his message, He fires some missiles or warnings at the crowd in order to 
motivate them to examine and truly investigate where they stand spiritually. In this crowd this day were a number of people, a large crowd, Matthew writes, sitting at Jesus' feet were four of his first called disciples, John, James, Peter, and Andrew, fishermen who were called out of their fishing business to follow Jesus in their ministry training. And they too, like Matthew, would later write scripture and be a part of the gospel explosion in the world. Also in this crowd, very likely, were people who genuinely cared about what Jesus says as they wanted to know the truth of God. Not knowing what was truth, they were beginning to believe that Jesus was saying things that were true. Loaded in this crowd were a lot of legalistic religious-oriented people who thought that because of their pedigree, their family status, their bloodline to Abraham, their religious works, they were right with God, when in fact they were actually wrong with God and on the wrong way, through the wrong gate. Included were some of the teachers that taught these peoples, rabbis and the Pharisees, the leaders, the ruling council of the Jews, people that promoted the law and kept people and bondage to the legalistic practices of Judaism because they themselves did not know the truth or they were intentionally deceiving the people. Probably in the crowd were some universalists, philosophers and open-minded religioners who thought that Jesus was just teaching another good way as all religions lead to some good place, whatever you think. And then there were the hype chasers, People who were there for the buzz and, and the hype of it all, they wanted to see some more miracles. They were not really there for the content. They wanted to see Jesus do some more tricks. And there were some there probably who liked to hear truth, liked to hear good biblical ideas, but really have no real intent and furthermore ability to actually do it. And perhaps there were some that were just looking for some self-help, psychological, or practical advice to gain them more success in this world. Whatever was the specific audience interest, and whatever the people wanted to hear, Jesus was not there to give self-help, psychological advice, and another religion that took you to God, because quite frankly, there's only one, as you hopefully know. Jesus was there speaking the truth of the gospel in various details, intense truths. And as he ended this sermon, he, he gives these examining warnings to the people, hard statements to press the listener to genuinely examine themselves spiritually. For example, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many are going to think when I return that I'm coming for them, when in fact I will reject them on that day. Verses 21 through 23 of Matthew 7. He concludes the whole message by saying, make sure that you have genuine faith and you're doing what God says which would be similar to a person who would build this house 
down into the rock so that's stable and firm so that when the storm hits and bangs against a house, it remains stable and doesn't crash. As contrast with the person who has this beautiful house and they look good on the outside religiously, but they have no foundation. They're just stuck on the sand. And when the true storm comes, they just crash away. May that not be you. Verses 24 through 27. And then again in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. In this podcast, right now, we will take a very practical examination of these two verses. In order, hopefully, to help you understand the very clear truth of God and to protect you and warn you from the myriad lies of Satan, of the world, and the false religions that rage throughout. This, these two verses apply to every single person in the world, whether they realize this, whether you know this, whether you want this or not. And please hear me out and what I say. Some of what this verse means is rather shocking to people and infuriating to some. Please hear me out. I'm here to tell you the truth because we care about your soul and your place with God and your eternal well-being. In order to properly evaluate these two verses, there's five or six questions that we must answer. The first is, what is the narrow gate? What is the destination of the narrow gate? How does a person enter the narrow gate? Why is the narrow gate actually narrow? And why is the narrow gate's way hard? And then in addition to that, through that, we will answer the question, what's the destination of the wide gate? And why is the wide way so easy? Every person, you and me and everyone throughout history, faces two gates. Again, whether you realize this, maybe now you do, whether you want this, like it, know it or not. The first gate on the right is a narrow gate. It leads to life. The second gate to the left is a wide gate. It leads to destruction. These are the only two options for humanity. There's no in-between. There's no third option. Question is, which one have you entered? Which one are you on? Because there is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. So let's answer these questions carefully. Let's start with this. What is the destination of the narrow gate? This is a metaphorical statement. Jesus would speak in parables often. This is like a parable. What is the narrow gate? If there's a gate and there's a way, where does what is the destination of this gate? Well, as Jesus says, 
The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who actually find it are few. What Jesus is talking about is the gate and the way to eternal life. Life eternal in the kingdom of God. Being right with God forever. Having salvation. Being in the family of God. Being secured with God. Having spiritual life as opposed to spiritual death. Which means then that the wide gate to destruction is a way to God's eternal judgment. In detail, that judgment concludes in the punishment of hell, the lake of fire, literally, where those who have not entered the narrow gate and way will eventually have to deal with, truly. So the destination of the narrow gate is the eternal kingdom of God. Don't you want to be in the eternal kingdom of God, my friend? Please, hopefully you are. And if you're not, well, then you will understand the way to this kingdom of God. So what is the narrow gate then that leads to the kingdom of God? Well, the narrow gate, according to God, the Bible, and Jesus as he preaches, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 118, there is a gate of the Lord through which the righteous will enter. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go and find pasture. Basically, peace with God in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way. And the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. The gate that leads to eternal life is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is eternal death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the gate. This is God's gate. This is the way to eternal life, which means that everything else or anything outside of Christ, whatever religion, philosophy, or theory it is, is quite simply the wide gate to destruction. Truly, every single religion ever created, produced, considered throughout the history of humanity other than the gospel of Christ Jesus Every philosophy, every theory, all other gates are nothing more than the wide gate to destruction. Truly. This includes false gospels and false messages of Christ. More on this in a moment. Works-based religions, legalism, which quite frankly at the time of Jesus was where most people were stuck. They thought that the way to God was through good morality, good works, and religious ordinances and obedience, which is far from the truth. People say, surely there are many gates to God. There's got to be other gates. God's a big God. He can handle different religions. He will. There's different gates. This is simply universalism and wishful thinking, nothing more than the wide gate. 
Christ Jesus is the only gate. Some say that all gates lead to the same place. God is big. Love wins. This is not true. Again, this is universalism. There are not any alternative gates that lead to life, eternal life. Every other gate, idea, religion, concept, no matter where you were born, when you were born, where you live, what your family tradition is, is quite frankly, I say this in love, nothing more than part of the wide road to destruction. Some would say that neither gate pertains to me. I'm not religious. I don't believe in God. I don't think there is a God. So none of this Bible stuff pertains to me. Well, yes, it does. Not knowing the truth, not believing the truth, those are not an escape hatch. There are no escape hatches. There's a gate that leads to life, and there are many gates that lead to destruction. Christ Jesus is the gate to eternal life. Again, there are are no alternative gates. People say, well, that's exclusive. That does not include others. That's narrow-minded. No, it's not. This is God's truth. The gospel is inclusive to all people, sinners. Here's the way to eternal life, the gospel of Christ Jesus. It is exclusive because God does not include other religions in other ways. God has given the way. That way is through the crucifixion of his son and the resurrection, the penalty paid by Jesus. There's no other way to God. God determines the way to God. God tells man the way to God. And Jesus was here speaking the truth of God to people as he is the truth of God and the way of salvation and the way to the kingdom. This is true. People reject this, and this is part of the the wide road why many go down this road of destruction. Because most people prefer the alternatives to the truth of God. Sadly, some people actually, in their mind at least right now, say, I I would rather go to hell than to believe and follow Jesus. Well, actually, you wouldn't if you could see hell and get a taste of it. That's absolute insanity. That just shows you the power of sin and the deception of the devil, or maybe someone is possessed by the devil to say that because you would never want to go to God's eternal judgment, this destruction that awaits. But people say that because they do not want Jesus. That's how wide and how numerous the gate is that leads to destruction. The third question is, well, if there's a narrow gate that leads to life, which there is, and his name is Jesus, how do you actually enter the narrow gate? Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate which means that you must actually enter the gate to benefit from the gate itself and where it goes. You cannot jump over the gate. You cannot climb over the gate. You cannot go around or dig under the gate. You must literally, specifically, go through and enter the gate. You cannot just stand there looking at the gate and simply acknowledging that there is a gate You must enter the gate. You cannot simply request to enter the gate, hoping that your desire and your request puts you through. You must actually enter. Just like on the day 2,000 years ago when Jesus preached a sermon on the mount, 
there were many people looking from the outside at the kingdom of God, but were not in it. They knew some of the detail and they could see through the peephole or the glass the reality of the kingdom, but they were not through the door because they would not go through the gate. They tried other ways to get through, which will never get you through. But you must go through. How do you go through the gate? That's a great question. Well, it starts with a genuine repentance of your sin. Jesus says in Luke 13, verse 33, unless you repent, you will perish. In fact, his first words as he preached in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 were, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What people don't realize is that to enter the gate, namely Jesus, requires a person to turn from their life of sin. Some think that repentance is a weekly or monthly or quarterly confessional to some religious professional. No, it's not. Simply acknowledging or sharing your sins with another is not repentance. Repentance means to turn away from sin and in faith grab a hold of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the gate, and by faith you enter the gate, a genuine trust in Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 22 through 24. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is true, certainly true about me. Very true even about you and everyone who's ever lived, some more obvious than others, but are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is by repentance and faith in Christ that you actually enter the narrow gate. There's no other way. You can't jump over it. You can't simply acknowledge it. You cannot simply say a prayer and request it. As Jesus says right after this sentence, enter by the narrow gate shortly thereafter, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Simply acknowledging Jesus as the Lord, Messiah, the Christ, the one crucified, the Son of God, does not get you through the gate. Many acknowledge that. Demons acknowledge that. Some of the soldiers that crucified him of later acknowledge that, acknowledging that and asking to be a part of that is not entering through the gate. It's through repentance and faith in Christ. Please, this is so true. It's a narrow gate. It's a narrow, narrow gate. And you must enter through it. And then once you're through, you walk in this life of following Christ. Jesus says in John 10, verse 27, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. The the true gate enterer will follow Christ. It's not just a statement. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Why do you call me Lord, but not do what I tell you? Jesus says, Luke Chapter 6, verse 46. The question is, why is this gate so narrow? Fourthly, this is what is shocking to many. 
And this is why only a few actually enter through this gate. You would think that many would enter. You would think that this gate is wide. Here is God, the free gift of eternal life, the free gift of forgiveness of all your sins, paid for by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago on a cross. Literally, God in his grace and his justice will punish Jesus so that in his grace he will give you forgiveness. Jesus lived a perfect life to qualify sinners unworthy for the righteousness of God, credited by his righteousness. The greatest gift a person could have freely given by God to those who repent and believe and follow Jesus. Why only a few actually enter through the narrow gate? Well, again, because this is the only gate to eternal life. Every other religion, every other philosophy in theory is nothing more than the wide gate. We've already covered this. Some will teach this, unfortunately. I've heard two people, one who's a false teacher, absolutely the other, who seemed to be a pretty faithful teacher, but he says some things very concerning later in his life. They said, is Jesus the only way to salvation? And both of them said, well, Jesus is the only way, but there might be other ways to Jesus. Maybe there's an escape hatch. Let me say this clearly to you, my friend. There are not many ways to Jesus. There are many people that come to him, not the majority. And there's certainly different testimonies that we all have. But there's not many ways to Jesus. Buddha cannot get you to Jesus. Idols can't get you to Jesus. Other religions, even if they include Jesus, don't get you to Jesus. It's not something that just happens automatically. It's a narrow gate through repentance and genuine trust in Christ Jesus that gets you through. And this gate is narrow because this is the only gate to the kingdom of God. But the gate is narrow because only you can fit through the gate. Only you and your faith in Jesus. That is all you bring through the gate. It is not wide enough for anything more. You cannot fit anything more than yourself through the gate, contrary to what people may teach in their faulty, semi-Christian, not-true-Christian doctrine. The narrow gate does not fit or include anything more than genuine faith in Christ Jesus. Many think and expect that you must carry a bag of good deeds to enter the gate. The gate is too narrow for your bag of good deeds. This is one of the most unfortunate, misleading, widespread truths there is. When Jesus said this message, as he concludes his sermon, he's now focusing on people that were convinced that he is the way of salvation. And he's talking about make sure that you come to me truly and you enter through me because I'm a narrow gate. Do not be fooled. Do not miss it. It's a narrow way. You cannot bring 
your legalism and your good deeds to get you through the gate. It's not Christ plus good works that gets you through the gate. That is clear through the Bible, through the gospel. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul himself, a previous legalist, says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of our good works, not because of our righteousness, Paul writes to Timothy, but because of his grace. We were saved by his grace, not because of our righteousness. Titus chapter 3, verses 4, 5, and 6. It's God's grace. It's not works. It is not Jesus plus works. If you're trying to squeeze good works or think you need religious deeds to get you through the gate or earn you a way through the gate, you're misled. Church services do not get you through the gate. You may hear about the way to the gate. You may hear the truth of the gospel. You may learn and be encouraged how to walk in the way after you're through, but going to church does not get you through. Religious sacraments, church sacraments, you cannot bring your baptism through, your confessions to a religious pro or priest, your Lord's suppers or your masses don't get you through. It's not a revolving door. It's not a turnstile. The gate is not in and out, in and out, as people think. That's why you need to do these religious works. You come to Jesus, you get through, but if you mess up and sin, you're kicked out, and now you must do your religious works. It doesn't work that way. It's a narrow gate of genuine, full trust and the righteousness of Jesus and his death and resurrection that is your salvation. Anything more is trying to add or squeeze a bag of tricks or something through the gate, and it will not fit. It's not legalism. You, you don't get through because you you engage in social justice. People think that social justice is not only a means to salvation, but it's a result of salvation. That's what you're supposed to do, that, the, that we're supposed to disengage in social justice. Being socially just is great, and loving people of different ethnicities and being kind is wonderful and called by God. But that's not the way through the gate or the purpose of the gospel. Giving money will never get you through. You don't get through with your bag of money and your big resume with all your, all your goodness and all your accomplishments. Here's the good news. The gate is narrow, but that's actually great news because you can't do anything or contribute to your salvation. It's a free gift. It's Christ alone. This is what Paul dealt with. He realized that his pedigree his education, his trusting, his lineage through Benjamin to Abraham, his religious works mean nothing. Righteousness with God is through faith in Christ. Philippians 3, Romans 3, no one's good. No one will be justified in God's sight by doing religious deeds. Jesus is our righteousness. He's the way to God. Truly, if you're not through the gate or wondering if you are, here's the great news. Christ Jesus paid it all. He lived a perfect life, never sinned. You get credit for his life if you trust in him. And he paid your penalty on the cross. God laid all your sin on Jesus. And he was pierced for your transgressions. And he was crushed for your iniquities. And the punishment that brings you peace with God was laid on Christ Jesus. And by his wounds, you are healed eternally.
Christ saves to the uttermost. The writer of Hebrews says, chapter 7, verse 25, Christ saves completely, eternally, foreverly, truly. This is great news. Hebrews 10, 24, by a single sacrifice, Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 18, and where there is forgiveness of sins, there is no longer any offering for sin. There's no additive to the work of Jesus Christ. Come to him in genuine faith. Anything more in addition to Christ is a wide gate of destruction, and anything less than Christ is a wide gate of destruction. In fact, trying to add or as if Jesus needs some additive to the gospel is a mockery of the gospel and actually quite offensive to God. It's it's only taught by people who do not know God and do not know the gospel because when you're saved by God through genuine faith in Christ, you know God. Eternal life is knowing God. And if you know Christ Jesus personally, you know what he did. You do not have to rely on any religious work or ordinance to get you through to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the gate. Faith in Christ. It's like water that, that saves you from dehydration. Just drink the water. You don't need to know all the contents of H2O and how it works. You don't dump it on your head, sing songs about it. Drink the water, and the water gets in you. Come to faith in Christ, and he is in you and gives you life. And the gate is narrow because you can't, cannot squeeze through the gate accompanied by another, their authority or their power or their help or influence as many people try to do, unfortunately. Many of the Jews were trying to go through the gate to God's kingdom with Abraham. They thought that by being a Jew of the bloodline of Abraham, Abraham was their way through God's gate to eternal life and righteousness. No, he wasn't. There were advantages to being a Jew, as Paul says, But being a Jew never made you right with God. Being a descendant of Abraham never made you good. People want to bring someone with them as if that's necessary. Some people think they get through the gate by their father or a parent. By getting credit for their father's faith or their mother's faith. Your mother's faith, your father's faith, your friend's faith will never contribute to you getting through the gate. The only thing that you can have credit for to get you through the gate is not the faith of a parent. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. People think they get through by a church. If you enter a church, then the church subsequently gets you through the gate. Churches don't go through the gate. Individuals go through the gate. It's a narrow gate. You and your faith only squeezing through get you through the gate. It's not a universal congregational salvation. It's an individual salvation. Every single person that has been saved by Christ and has entered the gate, namely Christ, is saved individually by God's grace, 100%.
You can't get through by the power or the help of an idol. People are praying to little statues. People pray to various idols to give them some kind of help or power with God. Never. There's no room for any idols. God says, do not have any idols. That's pure idolatry. People worship saints. A saint, according to the Bible, is anyone who's right with God because they've been saved by God. They're a believer in Christ. There's people that pray to and worship dead people who they think had some status of religiosity and subsequently now, though dead, have some power to get them right with God. That's idolatry. My friend, I know people that do this. This is nothing more than the wide gate and road to destruction. Here's the sad truth that that enslaves many people in our world and the United States and South America and other places in the world. They think that they get through the gate through the help of Jesus' mother, Mary, as if she has some power to make them right with God or get them through the gate. So they depend upon Mary and pray to her. Well, let me tell you, my friend in love, I know this will sound offensive to some. Mary has no power whatsoever over your soul and your status with God and your way through the gate of God. She was the mother of Christ. She was saved by Christ and needed Christ even as much as I did, even though I've sinned a lot more than she did probably. She's in paradise now, but her son was her savior. And she's not a mediator between you and Christ or you and God. As Paul writes clearly to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father or the kingdom but through him, he says. He is the gate. Mary's not a gate. She has no power whatsoever. Your prayers to her mean nothing. I, I'm sorry to say this, but in love, I'll say it. It's idolatry. You can pray to God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can try to pray to an idol, a dead person, Mary, but there's no power in that whatsoever. Jesus is the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. There's not room for another. Abraham, your parent, your priest, your church, Mary, your idol, nothing. Your good works won't fit. It's only through your faith opening the door, squeezing through the narrow gate. Everything else and all these things mentioned are a wide gate. Slavery to the false religions and lies and philosophies in our world that are penetrating into even the Christian church and holding people hostage and never getting them through the narrow gate, which they think they're through when only they're seeing some of the reality of the kingdom, but they're not in. They're on the outside looking in, enter through the narrow gate. And, and lastly, the gate is narrow because the gate is not accessible to destinations other than eternal life. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. The gate and the way leads to eternal life, knowing God, salvation, forgiveness of sins, 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not die on a cross to make you rich, successful in this world and grant you the best life now. He's not a means to materialism. Jesus himself says in chapter 6 of this sermon, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus talks about Matthew 13, verse 22, how the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches have destroyed many people from entering the gate in the kingdom of heaven and make them unfruitful for the truth of God. You're not setting up your own little kingdom on earth. My kingdom's not of this world, Jesus says. Our citizenship is in heaven, not here. Jesus died on a cross to give you salvation and peace with God, to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. People are trying to enter this make-believe gate called Jesus into a world of materialism and prosperity. If materialism is your motive, your drive, or your hope for your faith in Christ, then you do not have genuine faith in Christ, and you're still in the wide road of destruction. The gate leads to life eternal. Please understand this. You can be wealthy and be saved. But if you're pursuing wealth, you're craving wealth, and you're after wealth more than God and the things of God, you're probably not born again yet, my friend. I say that in love. I was such a person years ago. Praise God, he pulled me through the gate in truth and the rebirth by his grace into the knowledge of Christ and my need for him and the freeing truth of the gospel and faith in him through the gate. Worldly success is not the purpose of the gospel. Peace with God and heavenly wealth with God and his kingdom one day is the purpose. Here's our last question. If the, why is this gate, though, that is so narrow, lead to a way That is hard. Jesus says, but the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. That seems to contradict what Jesus preached in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And following Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can he now say the way is hard? Is he contradicting himself? No. The way is easy for you to eternal life because the way is the gate of Christ Jesus. It's a free gift. We do nothing. We do not labor in legalism. We're not heavy burdened by religious mandates. 
that tell us you have to do this and that and give this and pray that and eat that to make you right with God. It's an easy burden. There is no burden. Jesus Christ was one burden with the life that required him to live perfectly and the sacrifice that required him to be propitiated in the full wrath of God and expiated and covered in all of your sin. He paid the penalty. We get a free gift. The entrance to the kingdom is easy because Jesus is the entrance and the gate. But what makes it so hard? Why is the way hard? Well, for starters, because grace is hard for people to believe. You would think everybody would be jumping through, accepting the free gift of God's grace in Christ, but because of our instincts when we're born and the uh, the deception of our sin and the false religions penetrating performance is our instinct, and we think that we need to earn the way. And so it's hard to trust in grace. It just seems too easy. Jesus paid it. You get the free gift, and that's all that's required. Well, to have eternal life, you just got to trust Jesus Christ. But just simply trusting Christ and entering the gate is not it. There's a way. Even entering the gate is difficult, even though Jesus did the hard work of paying for it. You must repent of your sins have genuine faith and allegiance in Christ and follow him. And quite frankly, that's impossible unless you're born again. No one can see or enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again, Jesus says. This is the work of God's grace and spiritual rebirth. But even if you get, it, get through the gate, and hopefully you do by the grace of God, the Christian life is hard. Following Jesus is not easy. Jesus says in Matthew 8, verse 19, some guy said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, really? Well, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You may not have a place to sleep, my friend. The rich young ruler, Luke 18, came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? Thinking that if he did all the religious requirements, he was there. Jesus said, well, if you've done all those things, which actually you haven't, there's just one thing you lack, my friend. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me and you will have eternal life. Well, what did that man do as he stared the free gift of eternal life and the simple requirement of following Jesus? He went away sad. He could not do it. He wanted the pleasures and the protection and the security and predictability that came with his wealth more than eternal life and the uncertainty of following Jesus. It's hard. It's hard. Many people want forgiveness. Many people want to go to heaven who have no interest or ability to truly walk and follow Jesus. Again, I say, Saying a prayer and requesting entrance into the gate is not it. You must enter through, through repentance and faith, and you must follow through to the end in allegiance to Christ. This is difficult. Jesus says to his disciples, John 16, verse 33, in this world, you, my disciples, you will have trouble. 
But take heart, I've overcome the world. If the world hates me, it will hate you too. The world wants to kill me. The world will want to kill you too. Jesus even says a requirement is pretty hard. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and following. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow him. The way to the kingdom and the Christian life requires everything you have, my friend, and everything I have. A denial of self, your goals, your previous desires, hopes, dreams. You may see some of them accomplished, but now it's about Christ and the daily sacrifice of whatever he calls you to do. Jesus even is critical of those who claim to be servants of him, but do not do what they were called to do. And they're kicked out into the wide road of destruction where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. These were people claiming to be disciples who were seemingly given gifts of ministry, but were unwilling to follow Jesus and do what he said because they couldn't because they were not yet truly born again. Follow me, Jesus says. That requires obedience to him, following in the mission of him, holiness to him. It requires repentance, holiness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, without holiness, no one will see God. There's another false gospel that goes out that says, well, Jesus gives you forgiveness, but he doesn't change you and give you the ability to actually walk in forgiveness in this newness of life. You're still a scumbag and you can't do anything good. That's a lie of the devil and that's a false religion. That's not the gospel. Jesus says, follow me. The Bible says the grace of God is given to cause us to turn away from ungodliness and worldly passions, Titus chapter 2, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. God has called us to a holy life, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Those who cannot do the things of God will not inherit the kingdom of God. My friend, it's hard to walk in holiness. It requires the power and grace of God and sometimes a lot of devotion. In your struggle against sin, Hebrews 12, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Throw out everything that may cause you to sin. Get rid of it. Throw it out. Cut your hand off. Gouge your eye out if you're struggling with sin. And consider Jesus who endured such hostility from sinners who wanted to kill him. And walk with endurance, run with endurance, the race that is set before you, the holy race of faith. And it requires you and me to love Jesus more than your own life, your family, your wife, your kids, any personal gain. Matthew 10, whoever loves their father or mother or daughter or son or wife for their own life more than me is not worthy of me, Jesus says. You must lose your life in this world and follow me. You must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to live a holy life will be persecuted. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It's inevitable. Persecutions, hostility, which will cause suffering. There's suffering as a result of a Christian. People will hate you. People will disregard you. 
people will not want to be around you in some cases, and some people will try to kill you, perhaps. All of which cause many to fear the entrance into the gate. Jesus says, count the cost. Count the cost, Luke 14. Unless a person can renounce everything he has, he's not worthy to be my disciple. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field which a man found and covered up again. And then in his joy, he goes away and sells everything he has and buys the field. The life with Christ will cost you everything, but it will gain you everything in the kingdom of heaven. Great is your reward in heaven, Jesus says. It's a hard way because of the difficulty, the sacrifice, the holiness required, and the service and the mission and the love and devotion to Christ above your own family and your own life. And most people can't do it. They fall away. But as Jesus says, he who endures and perseveres to the end will be saved. The wide road to destruction is easy. It doesn't require genuine repentance. You get to do your confessions and your weekly religious tricks and stay in your sin. It doesn't require you to trust in Christ and his demands on your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make you pass straight. You don't have to do that. You can trust in your practical strategies and your religious services. You don't even have to change. You can stay in your sin. You can do sin and get a weekly pick-me-up. No real holiness is required. Doing religious works on that hopefully earns you salvation is not really holy. It's just self-centered legalism to try to make you right with God. You're not doing set-apart work. You must be in Christ to be holy. Your life dream must be given up if Christ calls you to. You got to love Jesus more than your sin, more than your family, more than your goals. You don't have to give that up in the wide road of destruction. You can just say prayers, dress a certain way, give money, go to a number of services, and just stay as you are. There's no persecution, no real persecution. The devil's not against you if you're in the wide road to destruction and you're committed to some religion, just not Christ Jesus. He's here waging war against those who hold the testimony of God and the truth of Jesus Christ. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow, my friend, and the way is hard. And that leads to life, and those who find it, by the grace of God, are few. Come to Jesus Christ, truly. You cannot get in the gate with anything more than yourself and your faith. And follow him to the kingdom of heaven and enjoy the treasure of God, which is incomprehensible, immeasurable at this state in our walk for eternal life. Do not be on the wide road. Please, my friend.
Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the gate, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Thank you very much for listening. We hope this message yields some benefit in your life. Spread the word.